Boom. And welcome back to another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you live from the beautiful Smith River up here on in the great state of Jefferson, <laughs> on the border of California and Oregon. Not too far from our guest today, Ron Gibson, who's up in the Rogue Valley uh, in the state of Jefferson himself. And we're, we have Ron back for part three, part three of our land patent special. Uh, so crucial for this day and age as the CDC and these other fictional entities are trying to um, usurp our natural rights by uh, mandating certain ridiculous ideas that landlords have no land rights and that um, unelected uh, 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 people with fictional titles can somehow tell us what to do in our lives. What is going on with this craziness? How have we gotten this far? Well, today we, um, we're, we have Ron on to uh, go deep into the process of the land patent process and answer your questions. So it's going to be a good one. Um, if you're new to Alpha Vedic, uh, you can find out all about us at alfavedic.com. We cover all the main aspects of sovereignty from growing your own food to uh, uh, staying healthy, not being afraid of germs, <laughs> for one. Um, understanding the law, understanding what it is to, to stand on your land as a living man or woman. So, so important. Uh, and then also understanding how to be sovereign with your own capital, with your uh, your means of production, whether that be through our cryptos, cryptocurrencies we like, silver, gold, or bartering. All these are like the most important aspects of sovereignty, and we like to cover them every week, especially focused on health, of course, um, because if you're not healthy, all of this doesn't matter. So uh, you can find all about uh, us through our Telegram as well. We've got an amazing community on Telegram, t.me forward slash Alphavedic, or if you like Discord, uh, that's another great uh, application. We are on Discord at alphavedic.com, or excuse me, yeah, alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. And last, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. Uh, we have some uh, fun stuff coming up. Uh, there's a, We're supporting Dr. Edith Abunto-Chan's course, the super wellness course. Dr. Lando will be making an appearance on that, which is exciting. So we will have the link to that in the show notes below, supporting Dr. Edith and all her amazing work. Uh, and then um, Josh Del Sol and the guys over at Sovereign Way are doing amazing work with uh, a course on um, the law. And that is something that I am currently undertaking. I'm in module three now and just blown away by that. And I actually have a live stream going on today a little later as well. Uh, and we will have a link for that uh, on our Telegram and on, in the show notes below. Uh, so very very fun stuff happening as we move into fall. There's going to be a lot of impactful, uh, practical um, uh, courses and, and things we're involved with to help you have the tools to uh, to basically live in your own sovereignty as a living man or woman. So uh, great fun stuff. Today, though, we are going to go through the final step of land patents, which is we're going to actually go into the process. Um a land patent and constitutional expert Ron Gibson takes us deeper into this. Uh, does anyone really owe property taxes? That's a great one to get into today. Uh, on the two prior AlphaCast episodes, we addressed the historical foundations for the land patent process and its critical relevance in present time. Uh, there is good reason why the abolition of all property ownership has always been the primary tier of all totalitarian agendas. 
Unfortunately, this has become a fate accompli worldwide. And in America, we find ourselves in a neo-feudalistic society that has strayed far from the ideals of self-determination. As Klaus Schwab, chairman of the World Economic Forum, has recently stated, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Is that, a, that was an Indian accent. That was terrible. Um, but this is a crazy. Yeah, works, so. <laughs> uh, you, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Uh, this is just insane. Uh, so in part three of uh, our continuing land patent investigation, renowned constitutional scholar Ron Gibson uh, will take us deeper into the actual process and takes on questions from, uh, from you guys today. So get your questions ready. Uh, whether you plan on undertaking a reacquisition of your property or not, this topic is key to understanding why our representative servants in government are now assuming authority over every aspect of our lives. And also, you know, we have a full schedule coming up. So um, we've got amazing topics coming through for AlphaCast in the next coming weeks. We're going to be going into very practical stuff from uh, organi doing Organite to do tower busting with the 5G and the chemtrails to going uh, into uh, the esoteric occult of the COVID operation going on right now. Uh, and uh, I would also going into primary water and the fact that we live in abundance and that water um, is not scarce on this planet. Uh, lots of really important topics. So uh, very exciting next couple of months for AlphaCast. Dr. Berlando, how are you today? Doing wonderful, Michael. Uh, really excited. And Ron, thanks so much for being with us today. You've been extremely generous with your time. You're a busy man. You're in high demand. And uh, you also have an event coming up in Hawaii pretty soon. Is that right? Would you like to talk about that at all briefly? Are you referring to my patent seminar in Hawaii? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, is is that upcoming here uh, pretty soon? Uh, I think it's just in the next few weeks ahead, isn't it? Looks like Ron uh -oh. kind of froze there. Right out of the gates, they're met. The archons are messing with us. Um, yeah, so that is um, in. Uh, is, there's a land patent. Uh, uh, oh, we lost Ron. Well, let's see if he pops back in. Uh, I actually had the. Uh, the date. It's going to be in the second week of, of September, I believe. And we can put that in the show notes below, but Ron will be in Hawaii um, doing a, um, a entire land patent workshop uh, along with a number of other sovereign focused individuals covering this, this information. So right out of the gates, we lost Ron. Well, the archons are focused on us today. Yeah. It, um, last time he was on, I think this happened a couple of times, didn't it? Yeah, so he's in the Medford area, and I know they've been having issues with internet up there of late. Uh, they've also been dealing with uh, okay. haze and, and, and smoke and all the wonderful stuff of the fire season going on. Um, you know, and speaking of uh, fire season, we were just talking yesterday, Barry. It looks like the California shut down all of the national yeah. parks in California, um, which has given us a bit of a respite because uh, it's been a heavy tourist season and we live in the Six Rivers National Forest. But who would have thought that, you know, that the officialdom could just shut down our ability to enjoy our supposed public uh, accessible uh, play, playland in nature? It's like, you know, and because of, course, of fires. 
Yeah, and of course, this uh, goes right into the land patent process because it's the way that the usurpers take all the land as they say, oh, we're setting this aside for national parks and so forth. Now, some of that's legitimate, but a lot of it isn't. Like if you go south of here and, um, you know, through the Avenue of the Giants, you'll find uh, uh, all sorts of signs uh, designating a certain Redwood Grove as Lady Bird Grove or Rockefeller Forest. So they've already got this stuff tagged as their own personal little playground. Uh, they're closing up all the, the back uh, fire roads and everything so people have no access to anything. So it's all part of the land grab. Uh, Mike's on the phone here with Ron, hopefully getting him back on. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm and, on the and, phone with Ron. And, He's he lost his Internet. He's about to hit the link again and come back in. So but yeah, you're spot on okay. Bear. Yeah. And uh, of course, the, the real um, it isn't just a land grab. It's a property grab. And the international banking cartel is using the recent cootie scare. Did you ever have cooties when you were in grammar school, Michael? You know, you touch a girl when you're in grade school and you go, oh, cooties. Oh, cooties, of course. Yeah, nobody yeah, wanted cooties. cooties. No, I didn't. I didn't know if I was aging myself, but I feel, you know, when I look at the mainstream or legacy news and and all the nonsense with invisible terrorists, now I feel like I'm back in grade school talking about cooties. You know, I went down uh, town yesterday, <laughs> I had to do some errands and um and sure enough, you know, uh, you know, stores, a lot more people masked up and everything. Uh, not everybody, but a lot more. And people uh, with the uh, cootie mask or, you know, giving evil eyes to other people without it. And it, it's just so remarkable how um, dumb so many people are. And forgive me if that sounds elitist or or mean in any way, but it really is dumb. And we have to be smarter than this because, uh, you know, we are in the midst of a war. This is a war being fought with unconventional means. And of course, with all the real terrorist groups, Antifa, BLM and so forth that are out terrorizing uh, city centers so that they destroy it so that the bankers can print more money and then come buy it all up and own it all. Well, that segues right into what we're talking about which was the first phase of the land grab, uh, you know, a long time ago when they started issuing deeds instead of uh, allowing the patents to just uh, flow forward to the new assignees and heirs on that particular piece of property. And so now we have warranty deeds and so forth that um, really put our property into a, uh, surety status and, and you know, against the uh, debt that the bankers create for themselves. And also it allows them to call the shots and uh, demand that we pay fees and ask for permission and do all sorts of things that are is really not in their prerogative in the first place, but it happens because we contract with them and agree with it. So uh, hopefully we'll get Ron back in here. You know, yeah. the, the first episode, of course, we did um, a historical preface, um, little presentation, gave the cliff notes of, uh, you know, what the whole process, the land patent process is about. Uh, Ron joined us for the second one, took us a little deeper. So today, hopefully, we'll get to entertain some questions and uh, also get more into the process. Sorry, Mike, I know I'm rambling nonstop no. here. 
and I also hope I ho- also hope that um, some of the people that had different perspectives, which I absolutely respect, um, chime in with their questions. For instance, some people suggest that uh, because the land patents were part of agreements and treaties made by the very people that are still annoying us, uh, you know, that we're putting us back in their domain just by following what the, those original land patents in the first place. I get where they're coming from. Uh, I don't see any other way around it. Some people uh, also feel that there are other court processes and procedures where you don't even need to fool around with the land patent. I also understand where they're coming from. So, um, but the fact is land patents do exist. We do have the ability to uh, have ourselves recognized formally as the assignee and bring that land patent forward. And uh, I don't see any harm in that, but those are some of the discussions that uh, we'll have today. Yeah, and I understand that, and, and like taking this class, The Sovereign's Way with um, Greg and John and, and Josh Del Sol's involved with it. Um, and Greg and John are spot on with what they talk about in terms of the law and as a as living as a man or woman and that all the other titles and uh, everything else, even the land patents are based in within the realm of the fictional. But we, as Ron will state, and I don't think it's built in everybody's constitution. And I know John and Greg would admit this too. They talk about it in the class. It's not easy to stand up as a living man or woman all the time and send out your notices and make claims. When you have, if you could just have a land patent and be like, boom, there you go. It, I personally think it could save you a lot of time and effort and a lot of um, heartache uh, versus going through the process of the of of uh, making claims and um, sending out notices and everything, um, if you are under attack, let's say from a government agency that's trying to do imminent domain through your area, uh, as Ron explained in part two, uh, historical precedent shows that land patents have always um, uh, held up their own in court against any imminent domain um, try from either uh, a private uh, corporation uh, or a private government corporate entity. So um, there's something to be said about going through the process. And I guess it just depends on personal, what your constitution is and how comfortable you are in the legal, these legal lawful, excuse me, processes. Yeah. You know, um, I believe next week I'm on with um, Matt Belair and, and Beth Martins in their law summit. And, um, you know, I'm just um, invited on, I think, to bring in a little bit of a historical perspective and things. And whenever, you know, what I really hope to um, convey is that whenever you put words on a piece of paper, it is fiction. It is not real life. It's an abstraction. And it's just something that we do that, in my opinion, we shouldn't even have to do. So when we get into the paperwork process, whether we're countering um, what the bureaucracy is throwing at us or cleverly coming up ways of our own to um, circumvent their system or just to uh, get more of a direct conduit back to the way things should be. uh, What we really need to understand is that we're still in fiction and to, I think, quibble about who has the best paperwork or if uh, certain kinds of paperwork could, you know, by certain degrees, uh, bring us back into 
that realm of what we're trying to escape in the first place, I think we're kind of missing the boat there. So uh, this land patent process, you know, there are land patents uh, already in place. And if we use those in my thought process, if we use those to, um, you know, uh, formally put ourselves as the assignee and use that land patent so at least we get rid of that warranty deed, which is another middleman that's trying to reach into our prop pockets, you know, for more money and more demands. I think that's a good step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, someday on this planet, we will have um, uh, a means of exchange uh, where it's uh, about people's energy because we are the full faith and credit of the American dollar, as they say in the first place. It's just that we don't get the perks of what we're providing as far as the energy that makes things happen in the first place. So we will, uh, in a more enlightened society someday, be able to use this planet and be able to prosper and uh, you know, not be beholden to any pieces of paper with words on them. And uh, you know, that's the unfortunate place that we're at right now. So uh, Michael is on the phone right now. Now we're trying to get Ron Gibson back. And uh, so just hang with us. Yeah, uh, Ron is internet's come back on. So now um, oh, he's, he's, he's trying to come into Zoom. So uh, keep going, Bear. We're, we're seconds away from having Ron <laughs> back on. Okay. Okay. Thanks. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, another thing that's going on right now. You know, we mentioned that, uh, well, this is actually a war. You know, that isn't hyperbole. That really is factual. And uh, some of us that have been on the planet a little bit longer for a you know, few, uh, few more years, we've witnessed a contrast in the way things were years ago compared to where things are now. And we have come so, so far. And uh, so the most alarming thing to me, so willing to accept demands placed on us that if just one iota of these demands were placed on us, Oh, maybe 60, 50 years ago, nobody would have gone for it. But it's the boiling frog syndrome where incrementally we just put up with more and more and more. But the, the problem we have uh, at present time is that we are in real mortal danger. We have been targeted to be taken out. And, um, you know, the, the biological experimentation, contrary to the Nuremberg codes, uh, just uh, against every code of decency for, you know, humanity, uh, they're all being uh, uh, breached right now. And it's really time for all good people to stand up, not be silent, and to not put up with this anymore. So when we go into these uh, stores now that are going through the second wave of demands, we absolutely will not comply. And uh, we don't read the signs at the door. We just walk in. We aren't belligerent, but uh, we will not be denied our right to participate in the very society that our ancestors and ourselves have created in the first place. So folks, it's time to grow a pair, but it's also time to um, redevelop our critical thought processes and not um, shy away from anybody who would try to confront us. Now, in a lot of parts of the world, people are really wising up and waking up 
and it's um, you know not as much of a problem. Uh, up where we live, it's not too bad. But when you get in other places in California and Oregon, it's full, you know, uh, retard hyperspeed. And, uh, you know, people have really been polarized against each other. And of course, that is the main weapon that they have contrived uh, in order to conquer us. And it's the oldest trick in the book. So um, the discussion we'll have today has everything in the world to do with this. It's about getting back our standing on the land because that's the way this country, uh, you know, defeated feudalism. And now we live once again in a neo-feudal society. And, uh, you know, we can't let it go any further because the only thing they can do beyond where we're already at is what's already in motion, and that is depopulation. Right now, we are in absolutely, without a doubt, uh, and this is not conspiratorial in the least, uh, even though it is conspiratorial on the side of the would-be controllers, um, this is about depopulation. And uh, not only do uh, they desire to depopulate with these biological weapons now that they're trying to demand on all of us, but they are also trying to um, make things easier to control for themselves with less population. And there are millions of casualties across the world uh, of people that have accepted the cootie jab. And um, so, you know, we really, if we care about our loved ones, if we care about our nations, no matter where we live in the world, uh, we really have to stand up now, folks. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of us are, have been making this plea for a long time. Uh, now it's there's no time left. Uh, we don't have a choice. It's either life or death. So it's that simple. Wow, dropping the hammer here. Um, Ron is uh, <laughs> Ron is a uh, man having bad internet issues. So he's gonna keep trying to come in, but his internet is not working now all of a sudden. So which is a bummer. Um, Bear, to your point, so I told him, just keep trying. We'll keep chatting. And um, if we have to, we'll, we'll unfortunately have to reschedule with Ron, which is a major bummer. Um, I mean, the other thing he, we could do is I could have him just call in, actually. I could have him just call in over his phone uh, and do it just audio, which, which would be okay um, if I want to call him back and do that. Um, we don't, you know. The, the video it's not like he's doing a presentation so i can call him back for that i will say this though um there are definitely people getting sick uh we have friends in the alphabetic community whose parents have come down with things that was very scary and is challenging people's beliefs in our own community about um you know the nature of viruses and stuff and so this is as you said bear this is war and um you know this is uh uh, the intentional um, toxification of our environment for decades that's led up to this. And now they're um, injecting us with, well, literally injecting people, but also with um, these new 5G EMFs uh, uh, and these, these millimeter waves and with the low orbiting satellites or balloons, depending on your perspective. Um, we are being bombarded and we've seen it here in our, uh, not where we live, fortunately, but in the quote unquote town of our county, which is about a population of 15,000 people, which has been, is very rural and uh, folks aren't very uh, used to technology. Uh, we've had four 5G towers go up in the last couple months and been initiated. And we are in the, we are, um, Crescent City is actually one of the number one 
hotbeds for COVID in the nation right now. My wife works at the hospital and she's an RN and she's been deep into it. And um, she literally worked 18 hours yesterday uh, and they're overrun with people with hypoxia and illness. And we know that the, a lot of folks in the town aren't the healthiest. They um, are run down by globalism and by um, poor, by basically everything we're talking about today being stripped of their rights and off the land and multi-generations of people that used to flourish in their own sovereignty have been completely demolished here. But guess what, Barry? Yes, people are more people wearing masks, but considering how dire supposedly it is here, I've been in town and the health food market, which used to be mask mandate, they're still not doing it. I was in there yesterday without a mask on. Considering how crazy it is in the hospital, I must say a lot of people aren't buying it anymore. A lot of people are saying, okay, what is going on here? Even in a place like where supposedly we are one of the worst in the, in the country right now, I think people are waking up. People are going, okay, what is going on here? And it, and I'm getting intel from my wife that's not all vaccinated people that are sick. There are a lot of unvaccinated people too. I'm, I, I think it's pretty obvious that there's a direct correlation with the 5G. Um, even though it's not the full 5G rollout, this is the initial 5G. It's the early um, generation of it. Um, but um, we've seen the towers go up. You come into town, they're 200 feet above everybody right there radiating over the entire town. So um, it is time for our A game because um, it's very obvious what's going on. And it's in conjunction probably with the graphene oxide that's been raining down on us for generations, <laughs> you know, from the chemtrails and related to um, direct energy weapons that they use those chemtrails to direct uh, at us. And they're literally, I personally believe, are sending informational fields targeting areas that are awake and sending these informational fields through with the harp-like technology down as direct energy weapons into populations using the towers and then using the jab too and and, and basically creating um, uh, uh, these these types of symptoms for people who are sensitive to them. So how do we combat this? We combat this in a number of ways we'll be talking about on the podcast the next few months from, like I was mentioning, Organite and, and, and cloud busting to things like biogeometry, to things like uh, the Leela quantum tech behind me, but most importantly, in here, in here and in, and in strengthening our uh, internal milieu of, of awareness and knowledge and understanding of what it is, what it means to be healthy and, and um, our connection with the planet, our connection with ourselves and our connection with the land, which is what we're talking about today. So um, it is wild times and we are in World War III, that is for sure. So I don't know if Ron's going to be able to pop back in here, though, Bear. Um, bummer. Well, we can um, we can just, uh, you know, chat a little bit in house here. You know, uh, we've got plenty to talk about and uh, we can always reschedule Ron. I'd like to get him live on camera. It just seems like that adds, you know, another dimension that I think is is just better for conveying messages. You know, um, Another thing that um, your wife was saying that the people that were in the hospital with actual symptoms were not that healthy to begin with. Uh, a lot of people were obese. And oh, here's oh, Ron. here's Ron. Woohoo! Okay, let me let me get him. Hi, Ron. <laughs> hey, Ron. Sorry about that, man. I did everything I knew, so I went in the other room where all the router and modem and stuff is, and unplugged them and. 
So it took me twice even to get it going after I did that. So I'm back at least for how long? I don't know. Well, fingers crossed. Your, okay. your, your image is good on my end. So let's go right into it. Let's go right into the process. So um, yeah. you have the floor. Well, hang on. Let me turn my phone off. So we don't yeah, I would turn off using internet too. Well, don't touch anything actually, but I'm just saying like, actually, yeah, just turn your phone <laughs> off and go into it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ron, we didn't properly greet you, but thank you so much, you know, and, and uh, before we cut out, we were just saying that, you know, you're in high demand these days, you got a workshop coming up in Hawaii and uh, we've done part one and part two. So what we're hoping today is possibly, you know, get maybe a little bit more into the process, but you're the expert. And uh, if you feel like there's more background we need or anywhere you want to take it, that's fine. We also have some, uh, maybe some questions from the peanut gallery out there from the live audience. And if we have time for that, so, and I know we're already uh, spent a lot of time getting started too. So you let us know how much time you have today. And, uh, you know, last time we, we got into the cliff notes and everything and, and more background. And so wherever you think it's appropriate to take up where we left off last time. Well, first and thank of all, you. I want to apologize <clears throat> to all of you uh, for my uh, technical problems here this morning. And uh, again, it's an honor to be here. Thank you guys for allowing me to come on your program. Uh, the topic of this land patent is really important. And people who don't deal with it or haven't heard about it, you know, they, they kind of shrug their shoulders. But I want to go back just a little bit. The issue of land ownership is, is a God-given right. And I think I mentioned that in the previous uh, program. And with that God-given right, there's no government agency that has authority of which to tell you what to do or what not to do. And I want to go back. I wrote a book for those of you who are first-time viewers uh, called What You Need to Know About Land Patents. I wrote another book called You're Not a Slave, which in that book, I proved that you're not obligated to pay property tax. But having said that, I wanna, uh, one of the big problems that we have today is interference by outsiders that have no claim to the land. And I wanna go back and in my book on page five, let me turn to that because I want to read it verbatim. If I get the pages open here. There we go. And this, this is a quote out of the General Land Office report to Congress and the Senate uh, back in 1870. And uh, so this is not my words. I have nothing to do with this other than I took it directly out of the record. And you'll find in my book that 99% of what I have in this book comes from the record, okay? I didn't want somebody saying, well, Ron, that's just your opinion. Or Ron, you don't really have any way to back it up. And I wasn't about to spend the time and effort 
of putting a book together as in-depth as this book is about the basis that it would come under scrutiny. Now, I have, I have some enemies out there uh, relative to the land patent, and it's 99% it's up, uh, on, on the legal side, judges, attorneys, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not an attorney. I'm a lawyer, and I've been in law for about 40. This October will be 50 years. So I have a pretty good background. I spent a lifetime of study of land law, mining law, constitutional law, uh, and many other subjects. But the point I wanted to read here to you, let me, let me read this uh, just to set the stage for the rest of our program. This is a quote directly out of that report. It says the individual title derived from the government involves the entire transfer of the ownership. Now, folks, I want you to listen to the words here. Words have meanings. It says the entire transfer of the ownership. In other words, there are no strings attached to this. There are no restrictive covenants to this. This means that when a patent is issued by the United States government or a state, there are certain states that uh, issue patents as well, and they're just as valid as U.S. patents are, uh, for the entire ownership of the soil and the water. And especially when you're dealing with two particular patents, number one is the homestead patent. That, in essence, is an agricultural patent which means to grow crops, you got to have water, okay? The second one of that has to do with the mining law. The mining law uh, in the development and the process and the minerals, it takes water. That's what's called a non-consumptive use of water. And it is purely allodial with all of the incidents pertaining to the title as substantial as the infancy of a Teutonic civilization following in the wake of this fundamental reform in our state land laws are several others which constitute appropriate corollary. Listen to this very next uh, 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 paragraph. The statute of use, listen to this, talking about the use of your land under a land patent, was never adopted by the public land states and hence the complex distinction between use and the trust has never embarrassed our jurisprudence. Now, you may be saying, well, Ron, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means because it's important. That is the very fact that what you do with your land is your business and your business alone. It does not concern unless, I'm going to qualify that, unless you are doing something that is a direct threat to public health, safety, and welfare. That's the only lawful means that a state can intervene into what you're doing with your land. But it has to be a direct threat. It cannot be a presumed threat or a claim threat because there has to be sufficient evidence to back that up. Other than that, the, this, this statement here is saying to bring a lawsuit against your neighbor for something he's doing, unless it's a direct threat to public health and safety, is an embarrassment 
to the judicial system. It was never to be that because it's an allodial title. An allodial title, the definition of that, as I read in a previous paragraph, means owing to no one, to no Lord nor superior. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? Now, having said that, just a moment of background, when Congress debated the issue of land disposal under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution, they wanted it so that the land that was disposed in and through the general land office that was created by Congress was given broad discretion about how they laid it out, what the terms and conditions were, or whatever. And if I can put it in this context, it's in stone because Congress said, and one of the, one of the quotes from one of the senators was the fact that we want to dispose lands to, to even the poor man so that no speculator, bank, or government regulation would interfere or be able to take his land. Okay? And we call those protective covenants. And the protective covenant, it has a broad spectrum of protective covenant. In other words, something that protects that patent. Number one, it's protected by the Constitution. No court has the authority to dilute or to dispel or to nullify. There are only two elements to nullify a land patent, and that has to be done only by the Department of Interior now, or and, and there's a time limit, or the original General Land Office. And those two items are fraud and obvious clerical error. Other than that, there is no provision to nullify a patent. Once that patent is issued, then the General Land Office only has six years of which to challenge that patent. After six years and one day, they're out of luck. Whatever that patent says is what it says, and it's yours. So having said that, that kind of sets the stage. There can be no uh, legislative enactment of which would interfere with that patent. And for those listeners out there, I want you to write this down. If you go to Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution, you will find down in that just a little bit, there are three things that the Congress of the United States and the Constitution does not allow states to do as far as any legislative enactment. Number one, they cannot legislate a bill of attainder, and I'll get into the definitions in a moment. The number two, they cannot legislate an ex post facto law. And number three, they cannot legislate anything that impairs the obligation of contract. When this patent is issued by the United States government and or a state, then in essence, it creates by the creation of that patent, a forever contract. That's what it says on the patent itself. It is hereby granted to the undersigned, to their heirs and assigned forever. And I'm looking at my watch and forever isn't up yet. So all of these government rules and regulations that they're trying to use 
on land use restriction is null and void on their face. One of the other protective covenants, and there are many, is treaty, treaty law. And for those of you who want to look it up, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Look up Summa Corporation versus State of California Coastal Commission. It's a 1984 case, and Summa Corporation owned land between the, the city limits of Los Angeles and the ocean. And the state of California decided that they wanted to come in and take that land away from it and they give it public access. And Summa said, no, that's our private land. So anyway, it went all the way through the courts. It shouldn't have gone there. It should have gone directly to the Supreme Court, but it ended up there. And the Supreme Court made some very interesting observations relative to the protective covenants of that patent. First of all, they said that the patent is protected by treaty. And then the Supreme Court got into the Guadalupe Hidalgo Treaty from between Mexico and the United States. They then got into the issue of the uh, uh, privity, which means it's a Latin word meaning have a right to enter into a case as a third party. They said they did not have it because they were not named on the original patent. And I've helped people use that original patent of theirs for the sake of backing off these government intrusions. Where are they named upon the patent? And it isn't. That's why it's so important. What I try to teach people to do is to bring that land patent forward in your name. We're not creating a new patent. We are using the existing patent that's in full force and effect today as it was the day that it was signed by the president. So just to give you a little background, that's kind of uh, a very brief history. There's another very famous case called Fletcher versus Peck, 19 or 1810, that addresses the contract issue. And one of the quotes in that court case, the, the court said, that in fact, once the grantor, that being the government or the state who issued the patent, once they issue that, they are estoppeled, which means forbidden from asserting any claim to that property at a later date of its issuance. So, boy, that sticks a stick in the governments and all these regulators spokes. They have no authority to intervene in that by law and by treaty. So there's another case I want to quote, and then we'll go forward. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Shoot, it was just starting to get good. Oh, hey, here we go. There he is. We lost you for a second, Ron. Yeah, I say that. Uh, in that case, on page three, the court made a very true but profound statement, which is absolutely correct. And the court said that our rights don't come from government. Our rights come from our creator. And we are not subject to government rules and regulations unless, there's this little word, unless we volunteer to be subject to those rules and regulations. So here we are, uh, any type of lien, that's why mortgages are unlawful against the land patent. 
because it impairs the obligation of contract. Any kind of, of lawsuit that involves a land patent is unlawful because it impairs the obligation of contract. Also, the ex post facto that I mentioned, the second one of the, the states can't legislate, it means that you have a right yesterday and today they passed a legislative act that says now you don't, you only have permission, that is excluded as well. It's null and void on its face. And uh, then you back up to the first one, which is a bill of attainder. And to give you a prime example of that real quick, has to do with a tax foreclosure. There is absolutely no provision in law for a county, a state, or the state uh, through its county of which to, to take land that belongs to the private individual under a land patent because that land patent is protected by this one of these three provisions under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. And it's very interesting when you look up the case law on this stuff, the very fact that they're trying to do that. Because here's what a bill of attainder means. It means that they become the accuser, that being the county. They become the arresting officer. And I don't mean physical arrest. I'm talking about an administrative arrest. That's the paperwork. You're, you're, you haven't paid your, we may demand money. That also is a federal offense by virtue of mail fraud. And number three is the very fact that in they become the accuser, they, they pass judgment and they then take your property. I find nothing in 49 years of law research that gives credence to that fact. There is none. And there are many other protective covenants. So all I'm trying to say in this folks is that this patent is a powerful document and it's protected by constitution and treaty law and 180 years of court case. And I've got people out there throwing stones at me claiming I don't know what I'm talking about. And I don't have a problem with that provided that if somebody disagrees with me, bring your evidence and we'll sit down at the table and we'll talk about it and let's see who's correct. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to do what's right. And this issue of this land patent is an important subject, folks, because they're coming after your land. Just like Mike mentioned a little bit earlier on the thing. We don't want you to own land because with land you have rights. And what they don't want you to have rights, only wants you to have permission. Okay. All right, let's move on. So Ron, just yes. one quick comment uh, that I think is of interest. You know, a lot of people, when we talk about the land patent, we also say that this um, country was based on landowners, you know, having a stake in the game and, and therefore having, uh, you know, being able to participate in representative government. A lot of people say, well, that's elitist because not everybody can afford to own land, but what you're describing, the original process was uh, exactly so that everybody would have an equal opportunity to own land. Is that correct? That is correct. That's absolutely correct. And the other thing about, if I can add to that point, is the very fact that, the, that originally we did not have voters. Voters came in way after the fact. We had electors. And those electors were property owners 
because they had the most to lose because they had an investment in the land. They had business either on the land or with the land or whatever the case may be. So when you get into this issue of who has right to have a say in something, and that's the problem we have today. Here in Oregon, where I live, Portland's got three quarters of the state's population. And there are very few landowners. There are some, but proportionately, they're very few. And in that, they outvote us rural areas all the time and stuff that puts a tremendous hardship on the property owners uh, because we're not tied to the city way of life. And boy, I mean to tell you, it's a problem. Uh, the cougars that they outlawed from hunting cougars in our part of the country. And I can't even begin to tell you the damage that having those cougars just uncontrolled to get out here and to kill of livestock and dogs and pets have attacked people, have killed people, and on and on and on the story goes. So I'm just saying that uh, the right of land ownership is, is important yesterday, and it's important today, and will be equally important tomorrow. So I just want your audience to understand they're coming after your land, and we see it escalating every single day. And if we don't do something about it, they're going to come and take it. They're already taking it because people don't know how to defend it. And that's what I teach. And I've been severely criticized by the legal system about doing what I'm doing and putting out there that I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I'll tell you what, I wrote a book on it and uh, I, I challenge anybody to come and debate the issue. So enough of that. So let's get into what it takes to bring your land patent forward. First of all, you have to be an owner of land. Now, what I mean by owner is that you have purchased the property. It does not have to be paid for. So don't, don't get those, those issues mixed up. It means that you have purchased a piece of property and that you have had it recorded in the county recorder's office and your warranty deed is stamped by the county. That's what the Supreme Court said defines uh, ownership of record, okay? The second thing of it is that in order to bring your land patent forward, you have to locate or to acquire your meets and bounds. Now, the meets and bounds consist of township, range, section, and where you're located within that section. A section is a square mile, okay? So in years past, they used to put the township range and section and where you're located on your warranty deed. They don't do that anymore because they don't want people going back to the patent and bringing that forward because it nullifies any of the administrative agency's authority over that land. But that's what's needed. If you have trouble finding it and you want to bring that land patent forward, get a hold of your county surveyor. They can help you and they've been very, very good about helping people. I've sent uh, dozens and dozens of people to the county uh, surveyor and they will help you determine because the reason that's important and that's all four of the items that I mentioned, the township, the range, the section, 
and where you're located in that section is what you have to provide to the Bureau of Land Management to order your uh, certified copies of the land patent. Because the Supreme Court has said that you have to have a certified copy to bring in. And if you go to Title 43 to illustrate this point, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a sidebar here. Pardon <coughs> me. But that is that in Title 43, Section 57 and 83, it states in that that anyone can bring a certified copy, and not talk about land over here now, can bring a certified copy of the land pat into any court and in all courts in the United States. And the courts must take judicial notice of that land patent as though it were the original. In other words, what they're saying in those statutes there that the judge can't make a, a discretionary decision when it comes to land or land ownership or land rights. And that's that's right in the federal statute, Title 43, Section 57 and 83. The states, every state has a corresponding statute of that. In Oregon, it's ORS 93.650 and 93.680. So uh, California, all 50 states have got the same type, just a different number, okay? So, and once you have that land patent, then you need to go to the county recorder's office and take your warranty deed with you and, a, and your one of the copies of your patent. You want to order three certified copies, and I'll get into that a little later. And ask the gal there or guy, whomever, to help you to run the computer to go back and search your chain of title. You must have a complete chain of title in order to qualify to bring the land patent forward. So in that, they'll show you how to run the computer, <clears throat> ta da ta da ta da Always, always, always start your search with you, your land. Who sold you the land to you? And then go to that record, in the record, and see who sold that person uh, to that person that sold to you. In other words, you get the point. You just have to work your way backwards all the way to the patent. And what I hear all the time, and I know this for a fact to be true because I've dealt with it myself, they'll get back only to where they started putting, <laughs> excuse me, records in the microfiche and later onto the computer. What you have to do if you run into that dead end street, you got to ask them to show you where the archive records are. And the archive records are big, thick books. They're five, six inches thick. And then you take your previous documents, it's on the computer, and you start hunting the name of the person that sold that or that, that bought that property. And you'll find it, they're, they're in there but they're in such fancy handwriting, I have a hard time reading it. But you, you got to do a little homework here. But uh, my so, point So, Ron, um, sorry to interrupt, uh, but we just had a quick question. Uh, are all of these steps that you're outlining in your book? Yes, they are. Page 114, 115. 
Thank you. And I'm not reading from the book. I'm just telling you what they are because I deal with it all the time. But once you have your chain of title, there, there are three things if you're going to have me do it. And I would strongly recommend that you have me do it because there's legal documents that have to accompany what you provide. I need one copy of your land patent, certified land patent. I need a copy of your uh, chain of title. And I need the first two pages of your warranty deed, or maybe a third page, if that's the land description of the property that you purchase. At that point, then I do all of the, of the legal work and it, it must be done correctly or you can get in trouble. So uh, that's the reason that I strongly encourage people to let me do that part of it for them, okay? Now, once you have all of that document uh, put together and you get it to me and I put in all the other necessary paperwork that's required, then in essence, you will get back two complete copies, exactly the same of what we, you and I have, have put together. And I call it a land patent sandwich for the sake of a, uh, of, of a term, kind of like making a sandwich on the kitchen downer. You know, you put the bread down, the meat, lettuce, potato, da-da-da-da-da-da. So kind of the same principle. Once I return that to you, then in essence, you have two options. You can either go, and the law says that you, you can post it on any bulletin board of any public building. <clears throat> that can be a library, the courthouse, can be a county or state maintenance shop, whatever it might be. Now, in doing so, if you choose to do that, and I'll give you the other alternative in a moment. If you choose to do that, when you find a bulletin board there that you can post that. Now, here's what the county and the state and the cities are doing. They are restricting from people from putting up their own personal public notice document. That is unlawful. I didn't say it was uh, illegal. I said it's unlawful. What they do is they put a bulletin board and they have a glass case to put foreclosures and other legal documents in there that keeps you and I out. The federal law states that they have to provide a bulletin board for the general public to post public notices, okay? So if they don't have one available, then you ask them, where is your bulletin board that I can use? And they will probably most likely say, well, we don't have one or there's one down the hall, that's fine. It doesn't have to be in the front corridor of a public building. If they got a, 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 a bulletin board, then it's down the hall and in the closet, then go put it down there in the hall and in the closet. That's what they directed you to do and you've complied with the law, okay? That document, oh, and let me back up a minute. Always take a witness with you when you post your document and when you retrieve it 61 days later. And uh, in my book, I referenced 60 days. And after I wrote the book, I found a court case that said that the court determined that uh, the first day is not a full day. 
the court considers a day to be 24 hours. So if you go there at 11 o'clock in the morning, that's not a full day, is it? So I tell people, just leave it there for 61 days. Once you go to retrieve that, take that same person back with you if you can and pick it up, take a picture with your camera when you put it, take a picture when you pick it up, okay? Now, if, if you use a bulletin board, you need to go back at least once a week and check to make sure that document is still pinned to the bulletin board. And when you go, take an extra copy and two pegboard uh, pins or bulletin board pins with the nubs on it so you can stick it up on the bulletin board. We've had a lot of problem with county employees ripping it down and throw it in the trash. That's a federal crime, folks. And I'll get into that a little bit later. They have no authority to touch that document without your knowledge nor your consent. But we'll get into that a little later. But if and keep checking it once a week for two solid months. Now I realize that's kind of unhandy, but I've got an alternative for you. If you choose not to do it by that means, then in essence, create a temporary website. And it'll be temporary for a specific purpose. Then you scan in your entire document in the sequence that it is laid out in what I send back to you. The first document will be a certificate or, or uh, uh, Oh, my mind went blank. Certificate of acceptance. There we go. I'll get my brain wired around here. Of acceptance. That's the first document. And that'll have four pages to it. And then you go to the next document, which is your two pages of your warranty deed. Then the third document there is your summary of chain of title. The next document is your notice document in case somebody is trying to challenge it. And the last document is a copy of the certified land patent. Then once you create that, that temporary website, go to your local newspaper and put a very short ad in. Most legal documents are lengthy and costly and whatever. <clears throat> and I've solved that problem. You put I and your name and bringing forth my land patent benefit. Then if interested, see and give the, the, the website address. Okay, now that does a number of things. Number one, you only have to do that one time. Number two, nobody can tear your document down, et cetera, et cetera. Then when your 61 day period is up, what you do is you close out and uh, that website, and you've already got both of your sets of documents, you have now complied with what it takes for all of the paperwork and the process of posting. Now what you do is you take that document, one of them. Now, I want to say something here. When you go to record it, you're ready to record it now at the county recorder's office. What you do is you take the front page of the original stuff that I send back to you, uh, or the 
Pause. Let's we'll see if he comes back. Fingers crossed here, Bear. <laughs> so is the internet issues with the smoke they've got in Grants Pass there, you think? Or just something else? Oh, who knows? It's called the it's called the fracturing and destabilization of Western society. Uh <laughs> the, the document you record hey, hey uh ron they will record it ron we lost you for a second could you go back to where um you were talking about recording that uh the initial document after uh the 61 days of the uh, website yes thank you uh once you have posted that on your web on this temporary website then you're ready to have the document recorded okay then take it to the county recorder's office and lay it on the counter and say, I want to have you record this into the record. Now, having said that, before I go any further, we've had, Come on now. had numerous occasions under Title 18, Section 2071. So I want to tell you a little story. About hey, Ron, that. sorry, we lost you again. We lost you again. You said you've had one uh, issue come up with going to the county recorder. What is the issue that you've seen? It, it was that the county recorder refused to record the land patent sandwich. Yeah. And that's a federal law, a uh, federal crime under Title 18, Section 20. I wonder if we should uh, have Ron try to uh, um, just do audio only, not in turn his video off sucks but well see if he comes back and what ron's talking about if the recorder the county recorder 71 refuses. okay so ron uh sorry about this oh it looks like we lost you again you keep hey ron you keep freezing maybe could you try turning your webcam off and just going audio you may be having a bandwidth issue and see if that clears it up oh we lost him yeah ah. oh well so uh what ron was talking about when a county recorder refuses to record something which many county recorders are doing that now because they um are instructed not to make it easy on people doing their own processes for obvious reasons. And uh, I think I told a little story on one of our podcasts where that happened to me one time and I had to threaten the lady with a lien, which finally, you know, allowed me to resolve the issue. But it took um, a couple months in taking her to the brink of where she realized she was in hot water. So, uh, so what do you think, Mike? Well, it seems like the whole no notices and claims procedures would clear that up real quick. I mean, I don't know if that's different than a lien, but you just send them a notice to the individual man or woman who's getting in the way of the process. You explain explicitly as a living man, um, this is my notice of liability or notice of a claim, I guess, or just notice, whatever you want to call the notice at first and let them know that they are um, are trespassing against your ability to, your lawful ability to put forth this land patent claim. And then this uh, is what, how you'll be holding them accountable. So I guess you call that a lien or mm -hmm. call that a claim. Well, and the, that's that becomes the basis for a lien. A lien is actually when you have a perfected instrument 
And then, um, you know, you use that as a judgment against a person. Now, what I would always do is use affidavits mm -hmm. and then give them the opportunity to rebut my affidavit. And then in that case, oh, here we go, Ron. Okay. So we, you were just talking about uh, when the county recorder uh, does not or will not record your your um your whole process that is correct now i'm going to turn in my book to that portion now for those of you out there who have a book it's on page 127 <clears throat> and let me read to you the record of each such patent judgment approved list of deeds recorded of a transcript therefore certified by the county clerk in which office it is recorded may be read in evidence in any court in this state and the like effect of the original and then it gives some uh, dates and numbers there failure to do so will re result in further charges under the twill and carmaine doctrine those are court cases that addresses the criminality of the county recorder not doing what they're now i want to say something here the county recorders have no authority to deny you to, because these are conveyance of land titles. A county recorder cannot uh, express any element of law, the creation of any kind of law or procedure or policy or whatever. That's done by the state legislature. So, but the state legislature cannot and why not? Remember me telling you about Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the Constitution? By doing this in impairment of the obligation of contract, by doing this is an ex post facto violation. By doing this is a bill of attainder. They're guilty of all of these things, plus many more. They don't have any authority to deny you uh, they cannot, the, again, the counties cannot make determinations of law. Now, let me go on here uh, to uh, charges under the Twill and, and uh, uh, Carmaine doctrines uh, for fraud and estoppel to prevent you from an engagement in future commerce. Now, the federal statute, and I'm reading this right out of the federal statute that I put in my book. Requirement to record. It didn't say maybe you can record. Sometimes you can record. It says requirement, okay? Because there are very specific reasons why you need to record your land title documents. And I'll tell you a story about that in just a moment. But under Title 18, that's a criminal statute of the federal statute. Under Title 18, USC, Section 2071. And let me go on. And one of the court cases, one of many, but Bifel versus Morton Rubber Industries, da da da. That's a 1990 case. It's not that old. Okay. An instrument, listen to this carefully. An instrument is deemed in law, filed at the time that it is delivered to the clerk regardless of whether the instrument is file marked. Did you catch that? Let me read that again. 
An instrument is deemed in law file at the time that it is delivered to the clerk, regardless of whether the instrument is file marked. In other words, and here, if you have a recorder that says we're not going to do that, here's what you do, folks. Take your book with you or take the citation that I gave you here and said you're creating a federal law and I'm going to turn this over to the U.S. Justice Department for, for complaint and possible prosecution. <clears throat> I want to do a sidebar here real quick. I taught at the local college here for quite some time, and I had a number of elderly, <coughs> of elderly people that wanted to protect their land. So I helped them. There were five couples, there were 10 people, husband and wife, each one. And we got all done and I told them, go to the county recorder's office and get them recorded. So they showed up on a Friday to the county recorder here in Grants Pass, Oregon, and uh, <clears throat> said, we want to record this. And the gal went and talked to the, the elected official of the county recorder's office. And he said, I'm not going to record those. And of course, that kind of shook these people up. And I said, well, you have to record it. He said, no, I don't. He said, I have no, no, nothing that, that uh, uh, forces me uh, to record your document. So anyway, of course, the panic, and they all called me. And I said, tell you what, I said, Monday morning, meet me at a quarter to nine in front of the county recorder's office. And I said, I'll go with you. So quarter to nine, we all met. They were pretty upset still because they've had a lot of work in it. And uh, so we went in and a gal came to the counter and I said, may I see and speak with Mr. Paul Harvey? Uh, and uh, they said, or Art Harvey, I'm sorry, Art Harvey. And they uh, said, well, he's busy. And I said, ma'am, I don't think you understand. I need to speak to Mr. Harvey. So she went back and those offices are solid from the floor up four feet, then they're all glass. So I could see him in the office. And he's sitting there and says, he walked in and told him there and he turned around and he looked our way and I could see him just shaking his head. So anyway, he came up and he said, how can I help you? And I said, Mr. Harvey, I said, it's my understanding that these folks came in for Friday last and uh, asked you to record these documents for them. And uh, they tell me that you refuse to do that. I said, is that correct? And he said, yes. He said, I have no authority uh, of which to record those documents. And I said, well, sir, I beg your pardon. I said, have you looked at ORS 93-650 and 93-680? And I said, have you looked at Title 18, Section 2071 that says it's a crime if you don't record it? And he looked at me like a deer in a headlight because he hadn't looked, he hadn't checked. He was making a determination of law on his own, own cognizance. So I said, wait a minute. I said, I can assure you if you refuse to record these documents for these folks who have every lawful right to have it recorded, required by federal law, I said, I assure you, you will have a summons and complaint issued on you no later than Wednesday morning. So I said, I don't want to go down that road. 
But I said, you have no authority to deny these people the right of which to record these documents. And he turned to the gal there and he said, record them, turn around and walked off. So my point is this, folks, <laughs> nice. if you know just enough, the right thing to say, and I know when I was going to law school, it was very interesting. My professor, law professor, almost daily would say, always challenge jurisdiction. He drilled that into my head and all of us in the class, but I took special notice of that. And when I do that, then in essence, they don't have anything to say because they're going by policy or procedure and not by law. I deal in law, folks. I don't deal all that much in statutes and codes. That's what attorneys do. I'm not an attorney, I'm a lawyer, and I deal in law. And no statutes and codes can supersede law. So just to set the stage for the record. Now, I want to share so, uh, sorry, just a, just a quick comment. Uh, I was telling Mike when you were away that, uh, and I've shared with our audience before, that I had a process with a county recorder where they refused to record something. And I recorded the whole situation with camera, the witness, and then I served them a whole affidavit, um, you know, that they went unrebutted. And then I later used as a uh, process uh as a threatened to lean. And then finally, the recorder did relent and uh, do what she was supposed to do. So would you condone anything like that? Or do you think that's not a good idea? No, it, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's just time consuming is the yeah. only thing. So, you know, you, you know that as, as well as I do. But the point being is that they have no authority to say no. I'm going to tell you a, a, a true story that addresses this very issue. Uh, I read the court case of a gentleman that had a piece of property and he sold it to this, the buyer, okay? The buyer paid for the property, but he did not record it in the county recorder's office. So uh, party number three went to the courthouse and was interested in that, and he wanted to see who owned it. Well, what he found out was that the, the buyer, the buyer number one, if I can use that term, uh, had never recorded it. So he went to the original landowner and said, I want to buy your property. And the landowner told him, he said, I've already sold it. He said, no, you haven't. He said, that's nowhere to be found in the county record. And the landowner, it was a farm is what it was. And uh, the, the farmer was quite surprised. And the guy said, tell you what, I'm going to offer you thousand dollars more than what you sold it to the other buyer for the farmers okay so he sold it to him gave him a buy sell agreement and the, and the buyer number two went down to the county recorder's office and got it recorded when the buyer number one found out that this other gentleman had had, had bought the property he filed suit against him anyway they end up in going to court and here's what the court said. Because he did not file his purchase agreement with the county, he therefore was not to be considered by the record as an owner of record. And he said, therefore, uh, the, the, uh, he ruled in favor of buyer number two. And so that just gives you an example. In law, things are predicated upon the record. 
And that's why statutes and codes, I try to stay away from them. We got to deal with them, but I, don't, I sure don't like them. Uh, and especially in your, and I want to say something too here. I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, your warranty deed provides absolutely no protection for your property. Absolutely zero. The only protection you have of your land is an allodial land patent. That's why I encourage people to go through the process to get it done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Because the warranty deed only conveys two issues. It acknowledges that you have an equity interest in a given piece of property. And number two, that you have a right of possession zero right of ownership. Therefore, and if you don't believe me, go look at your warranty deed and you'll see that you're listed as a tenant, not as an owner. And, and, and tenants are subject to rules and regulations and eviction and foreclosure, whatever. Now I wanna digress a little bit more. When the patent was issued to the grantee and then he sold it, or conveyed it to the next party down the line. Every time that a person received the property and all the patent documents, he went to the county recorder's office and got them recorded. And in 1946, June 11th, Congress initiates an enactment unlawfully called the Administrative Procedures Act. That Administrative Procedures Act virtually was intended to shove the constitution aside, shove common law aside, and now a corporation is purporting to be our government, okay? The people didn't understand what that all meant at the time. So by the time they got everything set up, the last one to come on to the Administrative Procedures Act was my state, Oregon, January 1 of 1954. So we've been dealing with that garbage ever since. But the point that I'm trying to make here on that, when the person after that enactment came in and he had the patent and he went to record that, they stole that patent. They, they, they took possession, the call custodianship of the record, and then they pulled the patent out and they then created a document called a warranty deed and gave that back to him. And he said, what is this? And they said, that's your title. So there's fraud committed. So if, if you can follow me a minute here, the patent issue as far as the recorders and the record went along at this level. And all of a sudden after the, the uh, uh, 1946 administrative position that it went down, but it continued on. Why did it continue on folks? Because it's because forever, isn't it? Remember what I quoted you on the land patent forever? So that patent is still underlying here. Even though what they put on top of it called this administrative and what they did, listen closely, they redefined legal terms and that's unlawful to do. Instead of defining now land as land, they redefined it under the Administrative Procedures Act to be real estate. Real estate means that the state is claiming ownership of your land. 
even though you paid for it, they never paid for it. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. So this is where this process that I help people bring forward their land ban is so important. Because once you do that and get it recorded, that warranty deed goes away. It nullifies that warranty deed and brings th this, your patent, back up to this original level. <coughs> Are you with me? Oh, yeah. We're with oh. you. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just, I know that sounds a little bit confusing. But the point of it is you reestablish the standard and the, and the authority and jurisdiction of that original land patent. And now it's in your name. We don't create a new patent. We use the existing patent that's good forever. Good forever. It doesn't matter whether you're the 15th owner of the land or your 200th owner of the land. The full force and effect of that patent never changes. Never changes. Okay? So then, because, oh, let, let, let me read at the bottom, page 127, getting back to the recordation. The minute any document are received, it, they, is recorded. And what I wanted to share with, and I'll go on with this, but I wanted to mention, if you have a counter recorder after you share the Title 18, Section 2071, reading the court case or whatever, you can even reading this out of the book. But if they still refuse, leave that document on the counter. Do not pick it up and take it back. Why not? I just read to you why not. If you take it back, you're revoking your request to have that patent recorded. When you leave it there, it's recorded in law. That's skinny. <laughs> Excuse me. That's why you want to have your witness. That witness witnesses who said what, when, where, the whole enchilada. You leave that document there. If they destroy it, now they've created additional, uh, and I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. So now here you have your documents completed. You've done your, your time limit of the 60-day time frame, and now you brought it to the recorder. And they say, we're not going to record that. Do not pick it up and take it back with you, folks. That document in law is now recorded. And that's why you have, and when you leave, then you and your witness go and do an affidavit of fact. And you, I, in your name, am over the age of 18 years of age, and I'm competent to testify to the following. And state verbatim. What happened, when, where, the whole enchilada, and get that notarized. <clears throat> then what you do is you take a true copy of that document. Do not, do not send the original. Take a true copy, and at the right-hand top corner, write true copy, and send that to the county recorder. Uh, and what they do with it, they do with it. But in that, you state that you want this entered into the record. Okay, now they got a problem. Now they got a problem. So that's kind of the process to, uh, to do that. Send it certified mail, return receipt request. 
get the green card back and just put it in your file. Just hold on to it because you still have your other document. Remember, that's why I send you two. Now you've got your, if you ever have to give somebody else, make a copy. You never give away that other original copy. Okay. Let me go on. Uh, <clears throat> recorded, refusal to record documents once deposited with the county recorder is considered criminal. In accordance with Title 18 uh, USC Section 2071, and it's punishable by fines and imprisonment without regard to the third party intervention and where consent to the third party intervention is refused by the party recording the document. It's pretty serious here real quick. Okay. Then if you go to page 128 and 129, I give a whole, I'm not going to read this all here to you, but when you go to Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights, boy, that nails at home. Now they got another big problem. You go down to Title 18, Section 242, called Deprivation of Rights Under Color of Law. Now they got another problem. These two are different from each other, even though there are a lot of similarity. So that kind of gives you a, a, a foretaste of what we're dealing with with the patent. Uh, I strongly want to encourage all of you to consider who are landowners to bring your land patent forward. Because I'm going to say it again, folks, they're coming after your land. They don't have ethics. They don't have morals. They don't come after you on law. They come after you under a conspiracy for the purpose of an agenda. That's the basis. And just for general information, we're losing about 11 to 1,200 acres a day for the last 30 years. Now add that up. That's a horrendous amount of land that's being lost to subdivision, shopping centers, highways, set aside property, da 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 da, -da, -da. <coughs> If we're not careful, folks, we're going to wake up one day and have no food on our grocery store shelves. We're sucking up and abusing the best farmland in the nation to do subdivisions, highways, set aside, game reserve, all of that. None of that has priority in any law over the right of the land patent to be used for what it's intended to be used. So, uh, I've been screaming from the rooftop, so to speak, for the last 30 years, maybe 35 years now, lose track of time. But on the basis that people listen to what I'm saying, I grew up on a ranch in Southern Oregon here, about 30 miles from where I live, or where I am here today. And we raised cattle and we farmed hay and whatever. And as a young boy, I played in the dirt. My dad plowed the field and I would carry seed to him and he'd seed the big old field by hand. We didn't have a big fancy spreader in those days. And every day, about 15 to 25 log trucks went up and down our little old dirt country road. And logs went to the mills that helped provide lumber to build homes and everything else it would use for. There were about seven or eight miners 
that went up and down the road every day to the gold mines and silver mines and industrial mines. So I learned very early on the weekends, we'd run up in the mountains and I'd talk to those miners. I learned tremendous amount. You think they're dumb farmers and dumb loggers and dumb uh, miners. Let me tell you something, folks. Never judge a book by its cover. Don't ever do that. One of the greatest mistakes we make is to assume somebody is smarter than they are, or we assume that they're dumber than they are. So find out the facts of who you're dealing with first. But I'm just sharing here with yeah. you that by virtue of us and the abuse of our land, we're, we're losing it by the means that I just mentioned to you. And that's yeah. a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Now, I want to talk about eminent domain. That means for the county, yeah. the state comes so along. Yes. Uh, sorry, just a quick comment. With eminent domain, you know, my wife's family, <laughs> they were ranchers out in uh, West Marin County back in the day, and uh, they lost their entire ranch by eminent domain. And, exactly. you know, now my wife can't even drive out in that area because the visitor center is, uh, you know, where she spent her childhood, you know, it's the seashore uh, uh, visitor center, you know, which was the old family home there and everything. So we've got a lot of, and, and I've got some personal stories on my side too, you know, coming, uh, you know, with relatives that are dairy ranchers. So uh, anyway, this is a topic real, real important. And, you know, one other thing, um, when it comes to intelligence, uh, you don't learn it in books, in, in my opinion. You know, there's there's a great uh, example online. There's a test you can find. It was uh, Kansas uh, had an um, eighth grade entrance exam back in the 1800s. And that's when, you know, they had the real three R's and all the education was um uh, you know, to really be practical so that it could be used in engineering and farming and real practical endeavors. And if you go back there now uh, and look at that test online, uh, you know, where math is applied to, you know, how do you figure out how much seed to sow and, you know, and so forth, uh, you couldn't find most graduate schools from college these days that could pass that eighth grade test. And all those people went on to you know, being the trades and farming and so forth. So I really appreciate your comment about uh, what constitutes real intelligence. And it's, you know, not all these college graduates with degrees in communications these days. Well, boy, you make a very valid point because many people have lost their land or parts of their land, the devalues of it, and they never get paid adequate for the loss or for the value even of the land. The state just says you're, Take it. Now, here's the point about eminent domain. If you have a land patent, they can't touch that property without your knowledge or your consent. If you have a warranty deed, then what they'll do, they'll just take it by what's called eminent domain. Now, they'll go to a court and they'll get an order and the judge will give it to them. Uh, they're all in this together. And I hate to sound like a conspiracy, but I'm afraid, folks, that we're dealing with a massive criminal syndicate. And that's what I found it to be. And a lot of people get angry at me because I say that. Government does not function on law. Government doesn't function on right or wrong. Government doesn't function on any means of fairness. Government functions on brute force. And we better understand that because if you don't, 
you're going to get run over and you're going to be stripped of everything that you have. So I'm just giving fairer heads up, folks, because that's exactly how they're functioning. They don't know anything but brute force. And we, <clears throat> I want to share a little story with you. <clears throat> the other day I came into my office here and some people next door in the next office were talking about the problem areas that we have. And I listened for three or four minutes and I said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, and one of the gentlemen, I said, I want you to write this on your whiteboard. So he, turned, he had a whiteboard behind his desk. So he turned around and said, I want you to write God across the top. And I said, but a little vertical lines down and underneath that, I want you to write we the people. So he wrote we the people. I said, a little short line down and put government. And I said, underneath that, put a little short line and put others. Or excuse me, the courts. And I said, underneath that, then put others. <coughs> I said, in my Bible, it says that God gave man dominion over the entire earth. He didn't give government dominion over the earth. He gave it to you and I. We are sovereigns. We're sovereigns by our creation. We're sovereigns by being Americans. We're sovereign by virtue of our constitution. And I could go on. But the point that I was trying to make is when government failed, the second one down, from, or the, the third one down, I take that back. We, the people, have a responsibility and an obligation to correct government. Now, folks, we're in the mess that we're in today because we have been sitting on our butt doing nothing, want somebody else to fix the problem, rather than individually we stand up and let our voice be heard. We have an ungodly government and a president and a vice president and many of the Senate and whatever, because we have voted for people for the wrong reason. I'm going to have a student in my Bible, folks. I don't know it all. I don't claim to. But I want to tell you something. God commands that leaders that are put in position must have a servant's heart. Not a greedy heart, but a servant's heart. And we're not doing that. And when it gets to the courts fail and government doesn't correct it, then we still have. We, the people, go right down the line and every one of the mischievous actions done by our elected officials or agencies thereof, we're not doing our job. It's like if I can go back to January 6th and set the hoodlum group aside out of the point I'm trying to make. We, the people, have a right to go into that Capitol building and say, hey, Senate and Congress, you're not doing what you're mandated to do constitutionally, and you're not doing the will of the people. <clears throat> and my point is this, boy, the newscast painted a picture like anybody that went in that building was a criminal. It only becomes criminal when they damage property. Until then, they have a First Amendment right to go in that building. I don't know how many of you have been to Independence Hall in Philadelphia. I've been there. I'm telling you, when I got out of that building, the tears was running down my face. Because you see how government is intended to be run by we the people. And man, I mean to tell you what, what an eye opener. 
you can go any place in that Independence Hall from the president right on down to the janitor, if you please. And to tell you that we don't have a right to go into that building or buildings, whichever you want to determine, there's a gross misrepresentation of what we, the people, have a right to do. We are the masters. I don't know if you folks are aware or not, but the, when the Constitution was finalized for signature, it was sent to the Commonwealth of Delaware. And when the people, the representatives of the Delaware uh, Commonwealth read it over and said, wait a minute, there's something missing. And what was missing was three words. What are those words? We, the people. Look at the Constitution. The writing is different. It's a different slant on the letters. They knew that something was missing, and I have not been able to determine by the record of whether they knew what they were doing and the cause and effect, or whether they did it by divine intervention, which I think is the case, or whether they did it by accident. I don't know that answer. But I'm going to tell you what that did, folks, and listen carefully. It made you and I kings of our land. And my challenge to every one of you listeners out there today, we better start acting like kings instead of acting and functioning like slaves, because that's what we're doing. We say the government says do this, and we jump. In our state, we got a horrible problem with this governor demanding that everybody has to wear masks and stuff. I do a lot of study, and that mask is worthless, useful, bells on a buggy whip. But they have presented that, and so many people swallowed it up. And I don't want to get off onto that. But the point that I'm making, you're king of your land. When you bring your land patent forward, folks, you are now king of your land. And I want to share with you what allodial title means, the definition, the true definition of allodial title. It is owing to no one, nor to any lord, nor superior. Folks, that means you're the king of your land. We better start acting like it, because if we don't, they're going to step on your throat, they're going to pick your pocket, and then who else knows what's down the line? And they're certainly going to take your land. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Well, in, in a sense, they've already taken it, right? And uh, our only recourse now is to formally or formalize the the reacquisition of our land through a land patent. I don't see any other way around it. Well, they've taken it in part. I'm talking about physically removing you from your land and a, a foreclosure. And I want to get into the, have I got a little bit of time here, guys? I don't know what your schedule is, but I, I'd like to share something if I may. Every Thank mortgage you. out there is unlawful. Every one of them. And I've studied that subject for years. There's nowhere in law that allows a mortgage to be converted to a title. The only thing a mortgage is entitled, if it's a lawful mortgage, is the money that was lent, and they don't lend any money, and I'll get into that in a minute, and the, inter the agreed upon amount of interest. There's no provision in law. That's a bill of attainder that I mentioned under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. 
There's no provision in law to convert that mortgage to a title. And land law states very clearly that convey land to party A to party B must be accompanied by a title. A title. Not a color of title, but a title. The administrative agencies have manipulated this and changed that. Well, we call it marketable title. We'll call it a sheriff's title. We'll call it a sheriff or tax sale title. All of that garbage is absolutely void on its face. And here we are. The other thing they cannot do by law is take your equity. That's theft. That's theft in the first degree, and it's premeditated, and there's consequences for that, but the people are ignorant of their law. The federal courts have said many times, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any rights. And unfortunately, that is true, because people don't recognize when they're being deprived of their right. They know something's wrong. Just a human instinct will tell you that, but they don't know how to defend it. And I've spent a lifetime learning how to defend my property and my rights. I want to share one other quick story for you, and then I'll uh, yield the floor. I got a minor friend of mine who has been, the, he's up in the mountains, and he, when he got the mining claim, it had a little footbridge across the creek. And that footbridge it was made up of three logs, about 18 inches in diameter, on the thing and had a hard uh, handrail on it, but it rotted and fell down in the creek. So of his own volition, he hooked onto his four-wheel drive pickup and he chained and he pulled everything out of the stream, kept it nice and clean, whatever. Then he fell three trees, which he's entitled to under the mining law, and he replaced that footbridge. And one day a forestry guy's driving down the road and he saw that. So he pulled in and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a footbridge so, so I can get across in the wintertime uh, to my mining, uh, to my mine. And he said, well, do you have a plan of operation? He said, no. He said, I don't need one. Oh, yes, you do, he said. So they went round and round. And finally, the threats got more threatening. And so anyway, they had a meeting for uh, the following Monday, a following Monday. And so Robbie called me and he said, Ron, would you come and, and help me? I don't know what to say. I said, I'll be there. So the meeting was at nine o'clock. I showed up at 8.30 and we're talking. Pretty soon, about 10 to minutes to nine, the forestry guy shows up and he walks up and I introduce myself. He introduced himself. And I said, before we get started, I said, Robbie has asked me uh, to uh, communicate with you on his behalf. And the guy said, okay. So anyway, I said, and before we go any further, I said, I have a question for you. And the forestry guy looked at me and he said, what's that? I said, I'd like to see your current and valid OMB number. And he looked at me and he said, what? I said, I want to see a valid and current OMB number, Office of Management and Budget. And he, he, he stepped back and he looked at me like a deer in a headlight. And he said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. He said, I want to see it. Would you please present it? But to, to digress a little bit, all federal agencies have to have an authorized O&B number. In other words, it's the authority to spend gas, 
their labor, their oil, their wear and tear and pickup to do government business. The BLM has no authority over minerals, zero, none. And so when I asked him that, he, he couldn't provide it. And I said, sir, I said, until you can provide with a valid and current OMB number, we have nothing to talk about. And I said, have a good day. Shook his hand. He turned around, he got in his pickup and drove down. And about a month later, I called Robbie and I said, did that forestry guy ever show up again? He said, I haven't heard a word from him. And to this day, he never said. He did not have the authority to be there, is my point, folks. And we need to learn just the basics. You don't have to know it all. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in law for 50 years. But just a very simple thing. And I want to tell you one more story, and then I'm done. We had a lot of trouble with the county uh, and the sheriffs and the, the uh, law enforcement people of the Bureau of Land Management, which they don't have authority unless it's given to them, by the way. But anyway, I went and talked to one of our county commissioners that I knew, and her name was Sandy Casanelli. And uh, I said, can you arrange a meeting with the other county commissioner? And she said, yes. So she met us outside. There's about 18 of us there. And we start up the steps and she stopped. She turned around and put her hand right on my chest. And she said, I need to tell you guys something. Okay, I said. And, uh, and I said, what? Still holding her hand on my chest. She turned around. She pointed from one end of that courthouse to the other. And I said, Sandy, what's this about? She said, I want you guys to know something. She said, everybody in that building is scared to death of you miners. And I said, what? She said, yes, everyone in that building. I said, why? She said, because they all know now that you all know the law. I teach mining law. I taught mining law for about 17 years. But I was shocked to death that we in our law and, and, and conveying law, we don't have the option of being wrong once. Otherwise, it would destroy our credibility. But she made it known to all of us that they all know that we know the law. So I'm just saying, folks, learn what you can and stand your ground. Because if you do, the Bible says expose sin right where it's at. God said, if you do that, I'll bless you. I yield the floor. Okay, any questions? Yeah, uh, question um, from someone in the peanut gallery here about the original 13 colonies and the question of them uh, actually having land grants, not land patents. Is that a different process if you're, say, in New Jersey? Well, they can bring their, their land grants forward because there is the documents there. Uh, it acts as a patent. So uh, I've done a lot of them in the New England states the 12 or 13 original colonies. So, so, so same process. Yes, it is. Okay. Next question. Would you recommend if somebody's looking to buy property um, for say a micro community or a collaborative, if there was anything specifically they should be looking forward preemptively to ensure that it'll be the easiest process to get their land patent right out of the gate? I'm sorry, I lost the picture here. Say again. Is there um, anything you recommend for someone who's currently in the market for purchasing land, let's say for a co-op or for a farm or for community? Is there anything that they should be 
looking out for from the get-go to make sure it's as easy as possible to get their land patent for a property, or does it not matter um, any property? No, is- it really doesn't matter. You bring up an interesting point. Excuse <coughs> me. A lot of the land is under a conservatorship, uh, you know, an environmental conservatorship issue. The, the, those, those cannot stand against a land patent. There's no provision for that. Okay. So, um, Mike, I have one question. Uh, go ahead. You want to do yours? Well, I was just going to ask, too, um, uh, should we bother going through the land, proce- land patent process if we plan on selling the land? And how does the selling work in terms of uh, the, the land patent uh, transfer or whatnot? Well, first of all, a person has to determine <clears throat> what your goals are relative to the land. And if your intent is buying the land and turn around and sell it, then I wouldn't do uh, much of anything as far as the land patent. At this stage, the land patent is more of a protective device than it is for anything else. Not that it doesn't do other things, but my point of it is that it's more to protect this from government intervention, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I lost my picture here, guys. Sorry about that. But Oh, all good. You're still here. Bear, go ahead with your question. Yeah, so we have um, people in our circles that suggest relative to property taxes that um, they can challenge property taxes very successfully without doing a land patent process. And the way I think of it was if you have a warranty deed, which is a contract of sorts, uh, a a co-ownership status, if you will, then it would be pretty hard to avoid property taxes. Can you see any way around property taxes without uh, securing a land patent? No, because you have no basis to make your claim to defend your, your property. Because the state claims they own it, they've got the patent that they stole in the archive records. Mm-hmm. That's why I encourage people, once you get your patent recorded on the thing, then tell the county clerk, that you want a copy of that same document that was recorded by the original grantee. And they okay. have it. They will put it and you get a certified copy back out there. That means that that's been on record ever since it was recorded by the original grantee, which means all the other enactments that affect that property in a negative way is null and void. Okay. And then one other gentleman, and these are educated people. I'm not in uh, agreement with them, but one other person suggests that since the original patents uh, emanate back to, uh, you know, royalty, the Vatican, and some of the forces that are actually giving us grief to this day, that we're now back, um, you know, pleading uh, for, um, how should I say it, pleading for rights and privileges all over again and uh, in the same boat. Um, again, how would you, how would you uh, respond to that? Well, first of all, the issue of land patents goes clear back to old English law. And in that, the king owned all the land. And finally, by the pressure of the barons, 
who put tremendous pressure over a long period of time, uh, he would give them a right to use the land under a tenure uh, rather than a, a patent of which they were the true owner, the king of their own land. So a lot of our forefathers came from that background. And in doing so, they made up their mind that they were going to devise a means and a plan of which the poor man even, right down to the poor man, could own land and nobody could come and take it away from him. And when we started uh, our country and the Constitution was ratified and all of the the, the formalities of the of the foundation of our government that uh, under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, we have what's called the land disposal section of the Constitution. Everything started anew from that point forward. So what happened way back when does not have any negative bearing on what our land patent does, nor the protective covenants, that are affiliated with that. The other thing that I did not mention that I want to mention to you folks is that not only did you get the land, not only do you get the land patent title in your name when you bring it forward today, but you also get what's called a bundle of rights. That's a bundle of rights. And those rights are called vested rights, which means that they're in law the title of the land patent, that piece of paper that uh, the grantee received was not his title. It was the evidence of his title. His title is in the Constitution under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2. And then it has umbrellaed over that all these protective covenants. Well, the same thing with the rights. Those rights are in law as well. So I don't know if you understand, and I'm not saying you don't, but boy, that's monumental because no court can intervene in those rights. No court can intervene in those titles. It's yours and yours alone because it's a lodial title. And I want to mention one other thing real quickly and we'll go on with the question, but I've had numerous and serious discussions with code enforcement people and the courts where a neighbor complains that somebody's doing something on there that they don't think that they want him to be doing. The moment that that concept is accepted and, and the, by the public at large and the, the courts, we now have destroyed private property and private property rights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we better be careful because that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Next question. Um, uh, I mean, that's, uh, let's see, uh, what other ones do we have? Um, can you submit a land patent without uh, money purchase, uh, the money transfer done without purchase um not totally sure what this question means but i guess i don't i don't understand what they're asking yeah so i think we made it pretty clear that uh the land patent process you first need that that title the original 
the title you get from uh, when you uh, transfer money to own the land. You need to own the, the whole point is that you need to own the land. Um, question for you, Ron, though, uh, you have Native American uh, heritage. Yes, right? I do. I'm Yankee Indian. What's your take on um, what happened to the Native Americans uh, in, this, in the States? Obviously, it's a brutal history of them being stripped from their land. And have they, have you helped any natives in terms of getting land patents and trying to take back the land that they were stripped from? Yes, I have two of those cases right now. Both, well, I take the three of them, I take that back. I have two in New Mexico and one in Arizona. Fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's really what it comes down to is the notion of the original republic versus government. And government, of course, is government, mind control, it is violence, versus the idea of a self-ruling republic, where we have representatives um, that originally were landowners that weren't supposed to be uh, professional politicians, right? Well, that's so. true. It was never intended to be that. It was to be farmers and, and store clerks and truck drivers and whatever. See, if you read your constitution, both your federal and your state constitution, we're guaranteed. Now, listen to this. We're guaranteed a republic form of government. My question, where is it? And why is it not being implemented and exercised as the constitution? And what that shows, that they have a blatant uh, disdain uh, and re uh, regard for our constitution. Courts do not want you bringing up the subject of your constitutional right. In an administrative court, you have no constitutional right. Wake up, America. You're under a corporate dictatorship. Yeah, and some would say, even from the very beginning with the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, and the, the Constitution was actually manipulated from the get-go with some of the original signees, because they were involved with the Crown and involved with certain trusts and banking interests that were already um, delineating from the original intention of the Revolution and the um, Declaration of Independence. So we've been kind of under the gun since the very beginning. Uh, we have. Yeah. That's exactly right. But we can, yeah. our system works if we will work it in the context that it was intended to be uh, about it being a constitutional republic. We're sovereigns without subjects. That's the difference. Now we've got a, a Gestapo organization. Uh, I call it criminal syndicate because that's what it is. Every facet of it is criminal in nature. It functions in criminal. Its intent is to be criminal. And it's, we used to say in the Marine Corps, this is mind over matter. They don't mind and we don't matter. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of the, the, the game that's being played. But we can beat that if the people will stand up. It's kind of like in my Bible, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and confess their sin and seek my face. I will hear from them from heaven and I'll heal your land. The mm -hmm. answer to all of our problems today, folks, is that we need we don't need a tea party. We need a knee party. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And well how, how beautiful would, would it be for those, like you were saying in Portland that are uh, not on the land because they've been manipulated and mind controlled to believe that it's a better, it's better to rent and then use the public lands that are run by the government where we know that is a complete and total um, bastardization and version of the original intention of this republic. What if we could inspire them to um, use, now I'm not recommending this guys, okay, but hear me out, okay? Um, but to use the system against itself. So go out, get a mortgage, get some, some you know, uh, one of those shady mortgages, go get some land somewhere out in New Mexico or someplace where you can get it cheap, maybe uh, in the desert where you can use some permaculture to fix the land and then get your land patent and then just say F you to the mortgage and, <laughs> and just leave it there. So now you've used the system against itself because we know mortgages are unlawful and put it on the banks to collapse the banks. So uh, just a little strategy there uh, for the anarchists in the cities that are looking to own land. Um, there's a little uh, way we could go about uh, taking it back. So so, Ron, um, thank you so much, and, and your uh, points are well taken, uh, Michael, being uh, a bit of a uh, disturber myself, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right on board with you. So, uh, Ron, um, thank you so much. This was marvelous. I think it really kind of wrapped things up today to get people a little bit in the process. Of course, everybody has to put in their own elbow grease. And now the last question for you is uh, you seem to suggest that possibly you are available uh, for people in that last part just to make sure all the uh, T's are crossed, uh, I's dotted, and, and to make sure everything's correct? Yes, I, I will do that. However, I strongly recommend that they have me do the legal documents associated with that. Because like I okay. say, but, <clears throat> you know, uh, whatever, I'm not going to, prevent somebody to do it, but it's got to be done right. Yeah, because well, I'm going to uh, take you up on that. And, you know, you and I had a phone call the other day and we're just uh, a few miles down the road from you. So Mike and I are kind of lucky in that way. So we'll definitely be meeting in person there soon. And um, so, Mike, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, because as you were, remember, guys, cleric, a clerical error is one way that they can take you away from your land patent. So Ron is very on point there with doing the process correctly. I will definitely be uh, uh, using you, Ron, uh, for the process myself. However, one of the big uh, criticisms of the land patent process by some of the uh, natural law folks in our community are saying that it's cost a lot of money. Um, they're saying cost thousands and thousands of dollars to do this. Is that true? Not necessarily. It depends upon what uh, process and participation that they want to want to uh, participate in. So, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, sir. Well, um, we will in the show notes have your uh, direct uh, email and contact info for those who want to reach out to you uh, to get your books and to also um, have you help them out with the process. Hey, Ron, you're doing great work. We appreciate you. You're a, you're a walking legend. And thanks for uh, the time today. Well, thank you guys all and your audience for allowing, <clears throat> excuse me, being a part <clears throat> of this. I enjoy this stuff. I like to get the word out because this land ownership is pretty dang important, folks. I cannot overemphasize that.
So, you know, the question that I have with what we do today, what will our ancestors uh, and our posterity say, <clears throat> our future children is what I'm trying to say, say another 200 years down the road? Will we even have a country? Will we even be Americans? And what we do today is going to have, and one of the key factors is land ownership, folks. One of the key factors, because with land comes rights, and with rights you have protection. So, I would I would say the key factor is the land, because that is what uh, define what gives you the rights as a as a uh, lawful man or woman. So that, that's exactly correct. Land is everything, and it just pains that's, me, Ron, to see these these this young generation completely ignorant of this and with the idea that they actually shouldn't own anything there's no ownership there's no skin in the game so they are chattel for for the uh the the those who should not be called elites to do with what they wish to do with and we need to wake them up fast so i will be focusing on the younger generations the 20 year olds so they can understand this and the teenagers amen and thanks so much Ron, because, you know, we've been uh, down the road for a lot of years with many of these, uh, you know, legal versus law kind of situations. And uh, I always thought that the land, press, uh, land patent process should be paramount. And it seems like within a lot of those circles, they're still not talking about it much. So our goal here was to really put that on the front burner. And, you know, I believe you're the you know, the one person in the country that has the best command of it. So uh, thank you so much for your sharing. Uh, we'll be uh, in constant communication here and hopefully see you in person here very soon. And uh, just thanks. Uh, it's just been an honor to, to be with you. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity of being asked to be on your program. And, and it's uh, thank your audience uh, as well. I thank them very much. So if anyone and, has any comment or question, feel free to get a hold of me. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. And just so people know too, Ron is a, a bit of a Renaissance man, like we we tend to have on this show. So Ron doesn't just do this. Ron, you're a pilot. You you've been uh, in active in mining and agriculture, and you 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 walk the walk. You walk the talk. So, uh, hey, are you still flying? Yes, I am. I'm getting ready to purchase another airplane here hopefully in the next couple of months. Uh, <clears throat> I've designed two helicopters and I keep pretty busy. <laughs> that's amazing because that's a uh, talk about sovereignty. The ability to travel, of course, is an inherent right, correct? Exactly. And without license and uh, the ability to get up and fly other places. That's uh, an inherent right. So um, props to you. And we have a little landing strip here in my town. I don't know if get trained in that and get a little uh, airplane so I can uh, fly my family out of here when we need to. So um, it's one of the trickier landing pads to land, I guess, but uh, in this canyon here. So not that's, that's what I learned on was tricky landing strips. So <laughs> don't bother me at all. That's great, sir. Well, hey, we'll let you go. Thanks for all the time today. And hey, everybody listening, thanks so much. If you have more questions, uh, the, Ron's email uh, will be in the show notes. Feel free to hit him up. Uh, he has been uh, so so uh, um, nice to give us his time here and allow for our community to contact him. So please uh, take him on on that because uh, it's important that as many of us as possible uh, 
get this handled so that we are free on the land. So thanks everybody. Um, we love and appreciate everything that you're doing. And uh, let's see, we will uh, see you next week with Dr. Daniels will be on, uh, which will be a, a really fun show for those that know her from um, her process with uh, turpentine, which is an old school farm remedy. Uh, Ron and I even know about the old turpentine cleanse. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but hey, yes, everybody. Dr. That's Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and she has a lot more to offer and a great story to tell. Oh, yes. And uh, she's, she's a warrior. So uh, go ahead, Ron. Sign, I mean, uh, she truly, Mike, she, sign off. She truly is. So everybody, thanks again. Uh, uh, please follow us on alphavedic.com. And remember to get outside, get your hands dirty, grow some food, hit the, hit the trails. Nature is our best teacher. We love you, and we will see you next week. Thanks. Wonderful. Mm, wonderful people.